Are you longing for a fresh encounter with God and His Word? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More to Be, host of this podcast, and I'm here to help you experience that fresh encounter. I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. Before we jump into today's episode, don't forget to check out our coaching, mentoring, Bible study resources, and courses available at More to Be. Your financial support underwrites this podcast. On today's episode, I have a fellow speaker and author, Barb Roos, joining us. She is passionate about connecting women to one to another and and passionate about God uh, helping them apply the truth of his words to the practical realities and challenges they face as women in today's culture. She is the author of Surrender, Letting Go and Living Like Jesus, as well as I'm Waiting God, Finding Blessings in God's Delay, and numerous other resources, books, and Bible studies. Barb lives in Toledo, Ohio, and is the proud mom of three adult daughters. Her perfect day includes sleeping in, taking a long walk outside, shopping for shoes, and eating two big bowls of chocolate peanut ice cream. You can visit Barb on her online home at barbroost.com, but today you get to be able to spend time with with Barb. Welcome to the podcast, Barb. You are a kindred sister. Absolutely. So I am so glad that we get to be connected today. Connection is lovely. Yes, especially because we're recording in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. We are all social distancing. And and, uh, on the day of this recording, for me, it's day 30, 30 days of social isolation. Isolation, social isolation. Oh, you know what? You should throw yourself a party today. It'll be uh, just you, but you yeah. should throw a party today. Well, that started with actually getting dressed, putting on my makeup, and curling my hair today <laughs> while listening to a teaching on um, equine therapy, which I'm just passionate about. So that was like my little morning. We're starting this day as though it's brand new. Yes, that is a great way to start the day. And you look yeah. sensational. So even better. Thank you. Thank you. So we um, we actually met once in real life uh, a couple of years ago at a conference called Iron Sharpens Iron. It's happening up in Massachusetts. And I remember meeting you there and you were you were actually talking about beauty, I think, at that particular conference. Is that true? Yes, self, yeah, identity in Christ, seeing ourselves as God sees us, and trying to deal with how we see ourselves in the mirror, which even even now during the COVID crisis is still a topic that we struggle with as women. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it was just a a wonderful opportunity to get connected. Of course, our friend Lucinda McDowell, she's a woman who brings everybody together, and uh, it's just crazy how long it's been, but... um, just it was wonderful to be able to be there with you. So I would love for you to share with our listeners kind of your backstory that led you to write about identity in Christ and beauty in that regard, but but most presently, surrender. And I want to get into that because we are in a forced season of surrender. Uh, I've ha- I've had other um, guests on the podcast during this this COVID nineteen, and we've been talking about rest, and we've been talking about perseverance and trusting God. And, and now today talking about this idea of surrender. And I know that all this content is timely for coronavirus, but it's going to be even more timely, I feel like, after as we process and reflect. So, 
So, you know, take us back to the beginning. Well, it's interesting. We all know that God has a unique journey for all of us, and there's this adventure of faith. And when we all look back on our lives, there are times when uh, we go, oh, we see the threads in how God just brings us through certain things. And so my story begins in Northeast Ohio. I was a little small brown skin girl with pop bottle glasses and two giant front teeth. And I was a, a young girl who struggled with seeing herself as worthy, uh, as, mm. as being a valued creation. Mm. And throughout my life, I think part of God's message to me has been that you are my beautiful, lovable, capable daughter, that you can be mm. confident in Christ and that you're worthy of my best. And that phrase that I just spoke is actually a phrase that came in some of the things I'll talk about with surrender. But uh, that journey as a child was was tough. Uh, my name is Barbara. There were Barbie dolls. And again, I'm a small brown skinned black girl in the 1980s. There were no Barbie dolls that looked like me. Yeah. And uh, I was athletic and I was a smart kid, but I remember mm. struggle with Barbie dolls. And I remember creating these narratives in my mind about who I could be. Mm. And we all create this picture in our lives of who we think that we can be. And, and God has this vast plan and purpose and promises for our lives. But uh, like many women, I compared myself to others and that created a lot of struggle. Yeah. And yet, very deep in my heart were all of these hopes and dreams that I didn't know how to let out. And I had parents who were encouraging, parents who were strong and loving, and they mm. said, you can be anything that you want to be. Mm. And while those words were life-giving, I now have a surrendered Bible study because God had to get back in there and, and uh, go, yes, you yeah. know, but let's talk about some things. So uh, yeah. I grew up, went off to university, met a, a wonderful young man. We got married, had three daughters and, uh, and then life and then mm -hmm. life. So uh, the, the professional wise, I was in the business world for many years, uh, pharmaceutical sales. I ran a nonprofit and then I spent 14 years on staff at my local church. Uh, wow. Yep. For 10 years, uh, I'm from big church world. And so uh, I had the privilege of overseeing spiritual growth and development for our church's five campuses and 10,000 attendees before I moved into speaking and writing. So uh, it's been an wow. adventure of life. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you've lived a, a, that's all, all sounds full. It all sounds blessed. And what I, but what I hear is that even in the blessings, you had this internal struggle for your own identity, which is absolutely. And then did you find there was guilt be, as you, as you matured and, and walked into your life as an adult woman, a believer, was there a guilt and a shame that you, you had this struggle because you had all these blessings? 
I think a lot of the guilt, uh, guilt being defined as something that I've done wrong, uh, it was really a struggle with perfectionism. Okay. Uh, I grew up in, I grew up as a follower of Christ. My mom was my first Bible teacher, uh, but I also grew up in a bit of a legalistic environment where mm -hmm. there was this quid pro quo with God that, or I created a quid pro quo. God, if I do this for you, then you'll do this for me. And so the guilt was generated by the fact that there were times when I allowed my priorities to get off track. Mm. So I knew that I wasn't living up to the things that God wanted me to do. And if I ran into struggle or if I had internal conflict, uh, I took the blame for that. I assumed yeah. because I wasn't perfect that there were things that my family would struggle or suffer with because I was the one dropping the ball. So there was always this, this deep need inside to, to be more perfect. Um, and part of my construct is, um, are you an Enneagram person? Uh, I'm very familiar with it, but yeah, go ahead. So I'm an Enneagram three that looks like an eight. And those yep. two personalities are very hard driving, very achievement oriented, very success focused. So you layer that that part of my personality on top of perfectionism, on top of identity issues. And I have a lot to write about in books. Yeah, yeah, no, I could definitely see that. And the reason I ask is because, you know, we kind of feel, I feel like we have like two different types of people that end up sharing their story on our podcast. The one that, that went through major life struggle and have, has come to trust and abide in Christ. And the one who, um, had the great foundation and yet still ended up in some sort of struggle and had to come and trust and abide in Christ in a different way. And I always like to pull that to the surface because as a, you know, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I came to faith when I was in college and my studying of God's word has been the, the second half of my life, not the first half of my life. My children though, you know, I have a 20 year old, I have an 18 year old, I have these 14 year old twins they've had the word of God since birth. And I have, as an adult, looked at their struggles and be like, what's wrong with you? You have everything I didn't have. Why are you struggling with your identity? Why are you struggling with perfectionism? Why are you struggling with trusting God? And, and I've had to, in the last couple of years, realize back the bus up, girlfriend, let them just be and navigate their identity with the Lord, understanding that that their their thing is their thing, right? Like it's it's not my thing, it's not my fault. But what can I do to extend grace and love to them in that place? And it's helped me understand how many women who have had the Lord their whole life and struggle feel like what's wrong with me because of this I, so profoundly explained because that was that was a center of the struggle i went i grew up in a home with great parents uh they they really were wonderful models for me i grew up in the church i went i lived in a community where i had all kinds of opportunities and and i was like why are you struggling to get it together the internal human flaws yeah. I kept thinking that I should be able to just knock them out and rise yeah. above them. I, here I had all the tools that I needed. 
And it was not that simple because we're complex creatures. Yeah. And so grace and mercy to myself, uh, I, I did not really understand what grace was until I, until I made the biggest mistake of my life up until I was 19. And then it wasn't a mistake on the back end, but on the front end, I just decided at college that I would go off and live my own way. I ran mm -hmm. the way of the prodigal for a while. And okay. I remember I was 19 and I should have been on top of the world because of the things I was experiencing. And all of a sudden I realized I was pregnant. Wow. Okay. And that's when I discovered what grace was because mm. grace was a God who, as Philip Yancey said, where I couldn't do anything to make God love me more and I couldn't do anything to make God love me less. And it wasn't until grace that I realized that I didn't need to attach my identity to the things I'd been attaching it to. Now, mm. I had to come back and fight that battle a few more times over the years, but that was that was a precious moment for me. Now, that that event itself, she's 27 years old. She's an army captain in Oklahoma at the time we're recording this. Uh, yesterday, I just watched her graduate from captain school. Wow. Uh, she graduated from West Point in 2015. And uh, she will take her first commander position next week. Um, so there are things that we experience in life when we do fall down, because we all do. Mm -hmm. um, but God is the God who restores and redeems. Wow. Wow. So, so what happened in the gap between, you know, 19, you're pregnant with your daughter at, to now, because you've referred to some wilderness periods. And I know that that's part of this book with surrender. What are some of the events and the lessons that you've learned that you want to share with us? Well, and let's do a setup because we are all walking through uh, what we would call a wilderness season. And so most of your listeners know the wilderness is that time of life when it feels like you, like there's this pause. We know what that feels like mm -hmm. right now. Our lives have literally ground to a halt. In the wilderness, not only is there a press pause, but there are big things that are at stake. So many of us are, we're looking at our financial picture that's at stake. Many of us, we've got healthcare issues. We have loved ones with healthcare issues. Mm. So we're trying to keep ourselves safe. In a wilderness season, there's little or no control to make changes. We would love to be able to get out and figure out how to make this pandemic go away and we can't. And the wilderness season is a time of great spiritual or confusion, emotional upheaval. So uh, the mm. pandemic checks all of those boxes. Yes, it does. But for all of us in our lives, spiritually speaking, we all go through wilderness seasons. And so mm. the Surrendered Bible Study reflects uh, a decade where there was an alcohol addiction issue that moved into our home silently. And uh, at first, I was doing all of the things to try to make it go away. I read all of the books, went to counseling, uh, pulled out all of the tools, pressed all the buttons, pulled all of the levers. And uh, as a woman who has been able to accomplish a lot of things, mm -hmm. I could not make that problem go away. And uh, for anyone out there who has ever faced a problem that you couldn't fix, yeah. uh, usually our first 
inclination is to try to control it. And so I resorted to a variety of control loving measures. Uh, I identified them in the Bible study. Um, Some of those control things that we do, I call them the shine control loving behaviors uh, where there's uh, stonewalling where you just basically just shut down your emotions. There's helicoptering where you micromanage, you interrupt, whether it's interrupting someone's words or basically shutting down what they're doing. There's nagging. Anybody? Nagging? Just just read Proverbs for convictions on that one. (laughs) Girl. Excessive planning or, or, or overstocking. And I did all of those things because I was trying to protect what I loved. I was trying to fix what was broken and get it all back on track. And, uh, I, I failed. And the thing that was difficult was that it was my family's future that was at stake. Um, It was, it was a loved one watching a loved one make unhealthy, destructive choices and knowing there wasn't anything that I could do about it. And I mean, I was working for my church at this time and I was a leader and and so there were complex issues within me. There were prayer moments where I was like, God, you can do anything. Yeah. We yeah. are a family that we go to church, we serve you, we tithe, we do all. And, and none of that, none of that was able to stop that addiction. And uh, eventually mm. uh, it led to after 26 years of marriage, my former husband walking away. So uh, he doesn't have anything to do with our lives or our kids' lives. And, um, and it was devastating. It was beyond devastating. Um, and in the midst of that, in a one-year period, uh, my dad died, my father-in-law died, um, lost my home and my marriage. Oh, and uh, and it, yeah, this was between 2017 and 2018. So it wasn't that long ago. No, no, no. Right after we saw each other at Iron Sharpens Iron. You said that your dad died and that was the beginning. It was the, and it was, it was the, the decade long journey. Uh, The latter part of it is when things got dramatic, but the, the, this process of this decade long wilderness journey, um, for me, it felt kind of like the Israelites in the wilderness. Sure. Uh, where the Israelites at the very beginning of their wilderness journey, God performed all these miracles. I mean, he got them out of Egypt in dramatic fashion. Yeah. And yeah. yet they did not have the resources to take care of themselves and their needs. And I, as I look back at my journey, uh, God gave me a lot of gifts and skills and talents and all those things. But there was a point at which I had to realize I did not have the resources that mm-hmm. I needed to deal with what was in front of me. And the question yeah. became, was I, was I going to fix or force solutions or was I going to live by faith? Yeah. And that's the question for all of us, whether you're dealing with the COVID virus or you've got a rebellious teenage child, whether it's a career issue, a marriage mm. crisis, or an internal thing that you've got going on, are you going to fix or force solutions or are you going to make the decision to live by faith. Yeah. Yeah. My brain is going a hundred miles an hour because I work with many women who come for coaching who are um, married to alcoholics. It's a, 
it seems to be a phenomenon of, of who I end up working with and their greatest challenge, or they have a, they have a child who's an addict. They, they have a prodigal, many of the things that you've described and they're trying to get their lives together. They're trying to, to, to do God's will. They're trying to be in step with his, his perfect leading, but then they have this relationship component that is constant trauma and, and constant um, conflict in the spirit of how do I love this person as Jesus loves, loves them and loves me? How do I live in a way that is healthy and functional when this is unhealthy and not functional? And so um, it's, you are speaking probably of one of the greatest wildernesses that I see women walk through alone. And it is very difficult, uh, particularly as, as Christian women. Uh, as I've gone through my wilderness journey and having to live through it, during the latter stages of it, um, I also felt like I could be an observer of it, simply because I realized uh, based on, again, whether it was in my church staff role um, as being a leader or on this side of life as a Christian speaker and author in going, um, what are some of the things, God, that I need to observe? Because I know that I'm not the only one that's here. Yeah. And in the church, um, we have a struggle with this, uh, this theology that says, if you, if you pray long enough, if you pray hard enough, if yeah. you pray fervently enough, then God is going to answer your prayer the way that you think you should. Yeah. Crap. And <laughs> Right. Well, and, and, and so I'm grateful that your clients are there with you to walk you through that because for any of us, no matter what situation we're facing as we're praying, I wrote the I'm waiting God study because I had to really wrestle with prayer and with God not fixing things. Yeah. And because of that theology of that, that feeling of people looking at you going, well, you must not be praying hard enough. Yeah. I am sure that every last one of your clients has spent, her knees are worn out because she's yeah. been praying so much. Yes, yes. And so when we hear comments like that, or or you or when you try to talk to someone at church and they go, hey, how's it going? How's your, well, you don't necessarily want to pour out all of the blood and guts because no. most people don't know what to do. Right, right, right. So- it is a very, it's a, for not, again, not just for women who are struggling in marriage, but parenting issues or financial issues or mental health struggles. Yeah. Uh, there are these ugly and uncomfortable, hard and heartbreaking situations that we all face. And in the body of Christ, we don't always know how to show up well for each other. Yeah, that is one of my... That's one of my greatest struggles, like in uh, philosophical, theological struggles, like, and as I've gone through the, the equine training, so I, it's a trauma focused equine psychotherapy coaching certification. So in a nutshell, I'm learning how the brain responds to trauma and how healing can come about. And and the biggest takeaway, and it's not a biblical-based training, the biggest takeaway is that God designed our hearts and minds to experience healing through connected relationships, right? Yeah. 
and and that that is why he made the body of Christ the way he did. So so he, he I, I look at him and he is a relational God. He, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then Jesus says, dudes, I'm leaving you and I'm giving you something better. The Holy Spirit brings us into this connected relationship between him and us and, and, and together. And then, you know, Paul talks about it all the time of that, our roles in the body of Christ, the different gifts, but also how we need to be loved to one another. John talks about it in first John four, like if you love one another, you will see me. Yes. Jesus. And, and, and so I'm like, People, what do we need to do to show God's love in the flesh, in relationship with each other and create safe spaces for honest confession and honest struggle? Yes, I, part of that, part of the reason why I could have an observer role during the latter stages was because I had a group of friends who showed up just like that. Uh, these were, were friends who knew how to hold space. These mm. were friends who, um, if they needed to, they could lightly apply pressure and say, let us show up for you. Yeah. Uh, when I, for, um, gosh, good six months, uh, there was a six month kind of a mid window before my girls and I had to move out of our home, uh, where I currently live is just around the corner from the home I lived in for over 20 years. And wow. um, there finally came a day, um, I've been fasting and praying weekly for four years, every week, just saying, God, not fasting and praying uh, because I expected that that's how God would change the situation. I fasted and prayed because I knew that I needed God to change me to survive yeah. the situation. Yeah, yeah. But there came a day, there came an incident where I just felt the Holy Spirit's whisper that said, it's time to start the clock. And so um, I had to essentially put down a boundary and a deadline. Mm. And as the deadline got closer, I just kept saying, God, do not make me have to do this. Do not make me have to leave. Do not make me have to, this is just God too much. And uh, I had sweet friends who said, we want to be there for you if you do have to move out. And I did not want them to see me on that day. No, yeah, so sure. I said, nope, I've hired some movers. And um, I, want, I hired people that I didn't know because I didn't want my friends to see me in the most desperate space. And uh, I remember one friend, she just said, we want to be there for you. And, mm. and a few days later, I, I remember hearing, I wrote about it in the study, the Holy Spirit whisper and say, your daughters need to see the body of Christ surrounding them on the worst day of their life. Yep. Yep. And I just, I had at that point had to admit the pride in not yeah. wanting to see. I knew that I was going to come apart and these friends had already seen me come apart many times over the yeah. years. It was, yeah. was going to be a third separation. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet those friends showed up and they didn't say a word. They put away things in cabinets. They cut the little shelf liners. They slid food into the freezer. And uh, as I laid and wailed on the bedroom floor, um, they just held space. And my girls got a chance to see Jesus show up on the worst day of their lives. And, and I believe that part of why, that's part of why we're doing 
well today. And again, we were laughing about the COVID virus because like all my speaking engagements were canceled this spring. Yeah. And, and I went, wow, that's a lot of money and income. Uh, however, after what we've been through, for me, I'm not saying, I'm not minimizing the impact. It's still sure. been difficult. But I saw God show up in dark seasons over and over again, sending people to walk beside us over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I have a confidence during this pandemic that God is with me and for me because he's already shown it to me during the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that is perspective. That's the testimony of faith. You have seen God provide so you can rest more fully in his provisions, even if you don't know what they look like. But that is such a beautiful picture of the people that God surrounded you with. And yet the, the partnership, you had to say yes to it. There is a beautiful verse. I, the surrendered study covers Jesus in the wilderness as well as the Israelites. And there was, you know how when you read stuff in scripture, yeah. there's verses that you just gloss over and you're like, eh, whatever. Well, at the end of Jesus' time in the wilderness, the, the last verse. I have says, it here in front of me. Okay, go yes. ahead. Yes. At the end, it says that the angels came and attended to Jesus. Yes. Yes. And that verse, I just always blown past that last verse. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because this could be a moment for anyone listening today. Yes. Because right now we're in a season where we have limited control over things. We are in a season where there are places where the edges are not coming together. And when Jesus, he finished up his 40 days in the wilderness the angels came, and I don't know what this scene looks like, but they might have been like, Jesus, we want to give you some food. Jesus, yeah. you're tired. Can we give you a back rub? Yep. Now, yep. he could have said, no, guys, I'm good. There's other people out there that you need to take care of. You know what? I got this. I'll go take care of it because right. that's how we do, don't we? Right, right. And in the CSB translation, so we're looking at Matthew chapter 4. That's mm -hmm. verse 11. It says the angels came and began to serve him. So you said attended, but literally attend, serve. I'd love to go look at the, the original word. I'm going to look that up when we're off. But, but this idea of serving. And I, I, you know, I always have this rule with God. Like if he wants me to say something, he needs to bring it back multiple times for me to open my mouth. So multiple times as you've been talking, this thought has come to my mind. There is an organization that's called Mental Health First Aid. It's an international organization. They offer, typically offer free training. If you go to Mental Health First Aid and look it up, you should find in non-COVID time training opportunities <clears throat> in sight. It's a one-day thing. And I attended, they have a youth version and an adult version. I ended up attending the youth version. They basically help you understand uh, the, the major areas of mental health and mental wellness. So addiction, um, uh, depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, and even uh, borderline personality disorder. But what they also do is help you understand how to respond as a first aid responder. You're not diagnosing, you're not fixing, but you're becoming aware of the signs and symptoms that show that there's a crisis 
and learning what organizations in your area can offer practical support and services so that you can be the connector in that. And, and the reason I'm mentioning that is that we, we first need to go to the word of God. Absolutely. God and the Holy Spirit will equip us and lead us and guide us. But there is a camp of people out there that want to have training to feel confident to actually open their mouths. Yes. And in, as you were talking about after we, after the pandemic, uh, the end of the pandemic, this is the space where we get to experience God taking care of us because we can't take care of ourselves. Right. There are stories right now that we, that are being written in our lives. The Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, didn't have a grocery store, a paycheck or a cabinet and God mm. took care of them. Yep. So yep. they if you are listening and things are looking crazy, God does not need you to have a job. He does not need you to have a paycheck, a stimulus check, or any of that. He can take care of you without all of that. Amen. Amen. But afterwards, as people are feeling the trauma of what they've been through, yes. Yes. I love what you just said, that we can prepare ourselves and be ready to be the first responders when people are trying to figure out why they can't get themselves together afterwards. Yeah. That we can show up and offer that ministry of presence, offer that ministry of truth where they need it most. So please repeat that again. What is, yeah. where is it's called, resource? it's called mental health first aid. And it, it is, I mean, I just love it that it's accessible. Uh, you don't, you know, you're not getting a career. You're not doing a new job. You're just picking up a skill set to help you hold space really i love how you said that so many times and and as a coach that's the job of a life coach is is to hold space for a person to process i my job is to not give advice my job is to not fix people jesus is the fixer of all people and all things but i am an instrument in his hands and i can be used to connect a a, a person who's struggling to, to Jesus and say, let's, let's seek him together. Let's seek him together. And really we can all do that simply by listening and asking questions. And so I think one of the most beautiful pictures of that in scripture is actually Jethro and Moses in Exodus. And it, yes. it's, in, it's yes. Exodus. I talk about this all the time in the coach training course. Um, in, in Exodus 18, Moses's father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything that God, that God had done for Moses and for God's people when the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. Interesting that it's post, right? And, yep. and so he shows up, verse 7, so um, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, then kissed him. They asked each other how they had been and went into the tent. There should be the word together, right? Moses, excuse me, recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that confronted them on the way and how the Lord rescued them. So, you know, here we have Jethro who didn't feel the impact of that pandemic, let's say, right? The wilderness, the 40, 40 years, um, but is sitting there uh, with Moses and listening asked questions, help me understand what you have been through. And there is nothing more beautiful than that visual in my mind. And the beauty of that example 
is that that is how we show love and how we show care. I think the struggle amongst Christians is very much the pressure to put the spiritual band-aid on things. Yes. And so let's go ahead. Oh, you're struggling? Let me give you a Bible verse, tell you to buck up in Jesus' name and move on rather than just giving people the space yes. to allow God to show up and work. Because as you said, Jesus is the fixer. We are not. Yeah. Yeah. So I love, I just, I love that whole, that whole illustration that the encounter between Jethro and Moses, yeah. that's beautiful. Well, and it's, I teach it again and again because the women that enroll in coach training tend to do so because they are helpers and fixers. Many of them have the spiritual gift of discernment and teaching and prophecy. And they can listen and observe what somebody is going through. And they're so passionate about people that they want to drive to the answer. And so I, you know, I get their practice coaching scenarios in and I have to evaluate and they rush it. It's like, Oh, they just said this. Let me give that advice. Let me give that Bible verse. Let me give that example, like what you just said. And I'm like, slow it down, wait, let them experience the point of pain and articulate it. If they need to cry, let them cry. If they need to get more detailed, let them get more detailed. If they need to be more angry, let them be more angry. Like you said, you were wailing on your floor. Like that has to happen because that is coming to the end of yourself and the beginning of Jesus. Right. And so, so my, you know, in training these women, it's like, ask a question, say, tell me more, help me understand how you feel. Let me hear it. Keep going. And you will get to the place of the deep breath. The whole brain will be integrated. The neocortex will start thinking, and then you can make, this is what I need to do going forward. At some point you got up off the floor. Very much so. And the, that, that entire process is so very individual. Uh, yeah. part, of the, part of the wilderness season as an experience is that God take, carries us all along at our own speeds. And it is not, it, it, the discoveries that we make are based on what we are looking for. In the wilderness, if we're looking for more Jesus, we're gonna find them. In the wilderness, if we're looking for more reasons to complain, we're gonna find them. So it very much begins with what is it, what is it that I really, what is it I'm really gonna look for out here? And a part of my journey was being able, I'm, I've spent a lot of years in church world, But then I also ended up spending and still spend a lot of years in a a family recovery program. Mm. And I have learned the beauty of seeing that community where they give people space to Mm. just sit. No one tries to fix. That's a huge tenet in it where where if somebody shares, no one has any advice. They just say, thank you for sharing so that people feel heard and that they feel safe. And after the meeting, folks are able to to share a tidbit if they've got some advice, but that we in times, especially for those of us who love control, that our greatest gift that we can give to ourselves and others is to say, I know that you're going to figure this out. I'm going to be praying for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well said. 
Well said, just to be, just be, right? Just be, yeah. Just that be. Is, that's some of the invitation that we have now in this season, but let's be honest. Anybody who listens to this podcast three years from now, when this COVID is a far memory, to learn to just be is mm -hmm. part of where God wants us to get to and yeah. that he allows us to face circumstances where we have to decide again, are we going to fix our fourth solutions or are we going to live by faith? Are we going to believe that God is who he says he is? Mm -hmm. Have our eyes on him versus our eyes on the world around us. That is just like, that's the closing word there. Isn't that, I mean, do you have anything else you want to add? Like you've got this moment with these women who are listening, maybe even some men, what in light of the surrender bible study in light of what you you've walked through and what we've talked about what is a, a commissioning that you would say an action step even so one of the key messages that i've been sharing i just call it the wilderness abcs and because in the wilderness you can't really do a whole lot but who, what you think is going to create what you're going to look for. And so this, the Wilderness ABCs, it's a vision as well as a next step. A is always believe that you're loved, that mm. your circumstances are not the picture of God's love for you. The cross always is. So always believe that you're loved. B is believe that God is for you. Mm -hmm. You are in the wilderness where you're at. You may not have done anything wrong. Life just happens, but God is for you. He has a plan and a purpose. You may not know all of the answers, but you know that God is for you. And C is the action step. Challenge yourself to let go. Mm, you don't God. have to fix everything. No. Uh, step number one, I have six principles in the Bible study. Principle number one is I am not in control of others or outcomes. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, it's hard for us to let go of trying to fix things and fix people. Yeah. But God, he knows how to take care of things. And yeah. things may turn out differently than what you want. I'm sitting in it. Yeah. But what I can tell you is that when I let go and I stop trying to fix and force solutions and I allow God to be God, he could do infinitely more than I could ever ask or imagine. Amen. And for everything that I've been through, I could confidently say that I wouldn't change a thing. Mm. God knew exactly what he was doing and needed to do in my life. Mm. Mm. Sanctification is the, is the mission. Transformation is, is the desired outcome, right? To be changed and to become more and more like him and and that's actually you know more to be when i when i picked the name more to be it was uh more bright more beautiful more like jesus and it comes from second corinthians 3 16 through 18 where it's that encounter with god that moses had that he was transfigured you know transformed and and shown brighter and more beautiful and i see that in you barb i see that uh, God has done a thing in you to make you more and more like him. And when I met you in 2017, 
I would have said he'd already done that because you, you, you were beautiful, right? You were, you were a beautiful presence to be with. And I see it even more so now, even in the wake of suffering that has been so great. Well, to God be the glory. And I love, I love that you brought up Moses. I was just reading that this morning in my Bible study. Oh, wow. That um, for every audience that I speak to, the final words, speaking of more to be, are that God has more for you because God has put more in you. Amen. That is awesome. Awesome. Well, would you mind closing us in prayer? I would love to. Thank you again for today's conversation. I am glad that we had a chance to just talk about God's glory. And uh, for everyone who's hanging out on the couch with us, I'm so glad that you are listening today. And so, uh, God, we give thanks to you. You are the giver of life, the sustainer of life. And God, for whatever season we find ourselves in, God, whether we're on the mountaintop, we're in the wilderness or somewhere in between, God, you are with us and that you are for us. And so God, for my friends who are listening, who've been trying to get through whatever it is that they're going through, God, that they would know that they are always loved by you. Mm -hmm. They would believe that you are for them today, God. Whatever they're facing, they know without a doubt that you are with them and that they would challenge themselves to let go. God, there are things that we can't, but you can. And so God, we're going to let you do them in us, around us, and through us. Let that be our prayer today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Barb, for joining us. And again, everybody can find you at barbroos.com, correct? Barbroos.com, absolutely. Come Good. on over. Yep, and your new Bible study. Tell us the title again. It's called Surrendered, Letting Go, and Living Like Jesus. On the front cover, there's a white flag. And uh, I just, I always love that white flag. We always yeah. think that's the symbol of giving up, but really that's the sign of letting God get to work. Excellent. Thank you everyone for listening to the More To Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us today. This podcast is made possible through your financial support. To become a supporter, visit the More To Be shop and join the sisterhood. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.